Good morning. Today's reading, as Steve mentioned, is from 1 John chapter 5, verses 13 to 21. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. If you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give them life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I'm not saying you should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin and there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps them safe, and the evil one cannot harm them. We know that we are children of God, and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. Admire their collection. And uh, when the Vietnam War broke out, the son was summoned to serve in the army. And he was a brave man, and he was killed in battle while trying to save the life of another soldier. When the news of the son's death reached the father, he was devastated. About a month later, just before Christmas, there was a knock on the door of the father's house, and there stood outside the door was the very same soldier who was saved by his son. And he had a big package in his hands. It was the painting of the sun. The young soldier held up the package and told the father, this is not much, but I'm not a great artist. But I believe that your son would want you to have this. The father thanked the young soldier and wanted to pay for his work. But the young soldier said, no, sir, I can never repay what your son has done to me. It is a gift from me. A few months later, the father died. And there was a great auction of all this rare collection of artwork. And there on the platform, all the great artworks were laid out and in the middle stood the painting of the sun very prominently. All the rich people of the town and influential people were gathered there, all excited about purchasing some of the rare works of art for themselves. And the auctioneer walked in and he pounded the gavel and said, let's start the auction with the painting of the sun. There was a long pause. Because no one was interested in that painting. They were after the rare works of art. And the auctioneer said, who will bid for the painting of the sun? 
Then a lonely voice came from the back. It was the voice of the gardener of the father and the son for a long time. And he said, I will pay $10 for it. Being a poor man, that's all he could afford. When the auctioneer tried to increase the bid, the crowds became impatient because they wanted to get over and done with this painting so that they can get on with the more rarer works of art. Then the auctioneer pounded his gavel again and said, going once, going twice, sold for $10. Then he put down his gavel and said, the auction is over. What? What about the rare works of art that we've been waiting for? exclaimed the crowd. The auctioneer said, there's a secret stipulation in the will. Only the painting of the sun would be auctioned. And he who has the sun will get the entire estate of the father. He who has the sun has it all. Today we are looking at the last section of the letter of 1 John. In 1 John chapter 5, verses 13 to 21, where John concludes his letter of 1 John under the theme, whoever has the Son of God has life. Life not only in this earth, but also in the age to come. And he begins by saying, In verse 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you should know that you have eternal life. Anyone reading that verse would immediately wonder what has John written about the Son of God in in his letter that confirms that we have eternal life in him. So before going any further, we're just going to look at what John has already written about the Son of God that confirms to us that we have eternal life in Him. We start with chapter 1, verse 7b. He says, And the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin, which means whoever has the Son of God in their lives, is declared righteous in the presence of God. Secondly, we look at chapter 3, verse 8b, where he says, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. So whoever has the Son also destroys the works of the flesh in their lives. The third thing that we read is in chapter 2, verse 28, where John says, Dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, you may be found confident and unashamed before him at his coming. He who has the Son will face no condemnation whatsoever when Jesus appears the second time. Then we read verse, chapter 3, verse 23, where it is said, this is his command, that is, the command of God the Father, that he believe in his Son, Jesus Christ, 
and love one another as he has commanded us. Whoever continues to abide in the Son will love his, the fellow believers in the body of Christ, the church. And finally, in chapter 5, verse 12, he says, Whoever has the Son has life. And whoever does not have the Son does not have life. So whoever has the Son has life, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. So John, in concluding his letter, reminds us about the wonder of the Son of God and his indescribable work of salvation for and on our behalf. So why don't we say something new about Jesus Christ when we share the gospel with others during this Christmas season? A friend of mine recently told me that one of her Hindu lady friends told her the reason why she dislikes Christians. The Hindu lady told her, it seems, that she dislikes Christians because they often bombard her with this saying that Jesus is the only way and you've got to believe in him. Sometimes these over-enthusiastic Christians don't know that the truth about Jesus is so huge that you don't have to repeat the same thing over and over again. Say something new, something beautiful, something wonderful, something marvelous, something shocking about Jesus to others. Because the truth about Jesus is so huge. Having reminded us about the wonder of the Son of God, John sums up his letter with three statements for those of us who have the Son of God in our lives from verse 14 to verses 20. Three things. He starts first in verses 14 to 16 by saying, Whoever has the Son is blessed. In verse 14 and 15, John says that whoever believes in the Son of God has the confidence that God hears us when we pray according to His will. And if we have the confidence that God hears us, then we know that God will answer our petitions. But that doesn't mean that God is a kind of a Santa Claus, that you can go to him with a list of, with your wish list and get things done. The key thing to notice here is that we should learn to pray according to God's will. And up on the screen, I have given you eight ways in which we can pray according to the will of God based on the Lord's Prayer and other references in the Bible. They are concerned with His kingdom coming upon this world, concerned with the salvation of others, concerned with your personal needs, but not your greed, and other things. Last Tuesday, I was at the Parkley Prison uh, doing some follow-up work with the inmates. 
excuse my voice. Uh, we were seated there that evening around the table. We were drinking coffee and the topic of prayer came up with the inmates. And I was trying to explain to them how God answers their prayer using the illustration of a traffic light. I told them, look guys, if you see the red light sometimes, we see the red light as we drive, that means God is saying no to our prayers, saying that it is not good for you. If you see the amber light, uh, God says, wait. And sometimes we see the green light and God answers our prayers straight away. Then one of the guys who was seated next to me said, Edwin, I don't know to pray any, any other prayer than the Lord's Prayer. I can only pray the Lord's Prayer. And you know, yesterday was my morning, was my parole hearing. And <clears throat> the Sunday night, the whole of Sunday night, I was repeating the Lord's Prayer and hoping that I would get an early release before Christmas. But when I went for the hearing, I was refused that early release. And then he looked at me and said something very profound. He told me, Edwin, I think the Lord is teaching me patience. It is important for me to learn patience at this stage rather than to get an early release. And when I heard that, I almost fell off my chair. I was amazed at his simple faith. I was amazed at his wisdom in understanding the greater purposes of God regarding his delayed release from prison. And I could see the joy of the Lord in his heart. The joy, the deep-seated conviction that God is always good despite the circumstances that you are in. I could see the joy in his heart. Whoever has the Son is blessed. No matter how adverse your situation may look like. And I drove home that night thanking and praising God for teaching me from this brother of mine in the prisons. The second thing that the Lord teaches about this passage to those of us who have the Son of God in our lives is he who has the Son is a blessing to others. Whoever has the Son is a blessing to others in verses 16 and 17. These verses talk about all wrongdoings by believers as sin that does not lead to death and a particular type of sin that leads to death with the unbelieving world commit. It's a bit challenging for us to understand what John means about the two types of sins. So the key to unravel that comes from verse 12 of chapter 5 where John says, whoever has the Son has life, and whoever does not have the Son does not have life, which means they have eternal death. Now, we as believers 
might commit various wrongdoings and err in various ways. But that doesn't mean that those sins lead us to death. Because as believers, we never deny the Son of God. If we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, who is the propitiation for all our sins. But the unbelieving world commits a particular type of sin that leads them to sure death. That sin is the cardinal sin of rejecting the Son of God. Friends, people don't go to hell because they do wrong things. People go to hell because they willfully reject the Son of God. There were two robbers who were crucified on either side of Jesus Christ. One of them went to be with the Lord that night. The other was consigned to eternal death. Not based on their, on their deeds, but based on their choice of either accepting the Son of God or rejecting the Son of God. Now, having understood that, the difference between the sins that John is talking about, John goes on to tell us that we who are blessed by the Son of God, when we see another brother or sister in the body of Christ struggling with a sin, we should pray for them. We should not criticize them or gossip about them or try to confront them prematurely. But the loving Christian thing to do is to pray for them so that God will give them life. In the military, when a, a soldier is injured, his colleagues try their best, their utmost, even in the heat of the battle, to pull him to safety and get him medical attention. But unfortunately, in the Lord's army, the tendency is to trample over the injured. When you see a brother or a sister struggling with sin, the tendency is to either criticize them or prejudge them or wash your hands off them and say, we don't want to have anything to do with you. But John reminds us in these verses that Christian love demands us to pray for one another when we see another person in difficulty. And he cites that as one of the examples of praying according to the will of God. Then, thirdly, in verses 18 to 20, John tells us about whoever has the Son of God has eternal life. And it tells us two things under this heading in verses 18 to 20. In this section, John affirms two things to the body of believers. Firstly, he says, those who are in the Son of God do not continue to sin because God protects them from the evil one. Whereas, on the other hand, the unbelieving world is 
under the sway of the evil one. And John brings out this, the contrast in the conditions of those two types of people, groups of people in this world, so starkly for our good. He wants us to note something. He wants us to note the dichotomy in the world. The world is divided into two groups. Those who have the Son of God and those who don't have the Son of God. Which dire consequences to those who don't have and blessed consequences to those who have. And if we have a grasp of that, evangelizing and sharing the gospel with others will become a part of our lives. God has brought us many friends in our lives. We have a good relationship with them. But how many of them know the Son of God in their lives? Our own friends with whom we have relationships with. Does that bother us? How many of our neighbors down the street with whom we live know the Lord? Does that bother us? The Saturday before last, we had our street party where all the neighbors come together once a year for Christmas. And Joyce and I were there and we were laughing and talking with all the neighbors and none of them, not even one of them, know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. And none of them are interested in the least to hear the gospel either. So we came home and we were discussing about that and we said, we need to pray for them. We need to pray name by name, family by family. How about our family members and our relatives? How many of them know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior? Does that bother us? Do we pray for those people regularly? Do we have a list classified under friends, neighbors, family, and regularly pray for their salvation before we, God opens the doors for us to go and minister to them? If you have not done that, we should start that during this Christmas season because that's the will of God. Secondly, in verse 20, God, John says, The Son of God has come to show us the one who is true. And those of us who are in the Son are in Him who is true. Now, John is writing this letter to his original readers who were under tremendous pressure from false prophets and antichrists trying to take them away from the foundation of their faith in Jesus Christ. And John is telling them, stay firm in the truth. Hold on to your salvation that Christ has earned for you. And it is the same thing for us 2,000 years later. Never before in the history of this country that we have come under so much pressure from the world, under so much hatred from the world against Christians. And the message to us is the same. Stay firm in the truth. Stay firm in the salvation that 
Jesus Christ has earned for you. And stay firm in loving one another and praying for one another. We need one another. That's why God has put us together in these times, or in in the trying times that is going to come in the future. The church must learn to love one another. And John concludes his letter with an extraordinary statement in verse 21. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. It's a bit surprising, isn't it? He has never spoken about idols before in his letter. And in his concluding statement, he says, Dear children, keep away from idols. What does he mean by that? This is what John says to us who have understood and who have received the Son of God in our lives. You who have received the Son of God in your lives, you who know that He is the true representation of the living God, do not try to remake Him in any shape or form of any created being or in accordance with any human philosophy. That's what the world of unbelievers do. When they reject the Son of God, they make for themselves a a God of their convenience. They replace the Son of God from their lives. And in His place, they bring in a religion, an ideology, a, a worldview, or a philosophy. And John tells us, don't do that. Don't you ever do that. At the auction of the world demands paintings, he who had rejected uh, the, the, the gardener who did not reject the son's painting got the entire estate of the father. Similarly, those of us who have got the son of God in our hearts who have understood who he is according to the letter of John, as he describes him as the God of light, in whom there is no darkness, the God of love who came down as an atoning sacrifice to our, to our, to our salvation. If we know them like that, and if we have him in our lives like that, The Bible assures us. The Holy Spirit of God confirms to us. And John the Apostle tells us that we will be co-heirs with the inheritance of God the Father. May God bless you. Thank you.